0: So I would like to to start. Um, I want to welcome everyone here tonight to uh, SACPAW's hosted Lethbridge West Election Forum. Um, my name is Bonnie Ferris. I will be your moderator for tonight and I want to acknowledge that we are on traditional <coughs> Blackfoot land. Um It's a good way to start off tonight, I think. I am a political scientist, I have a master's in political science. I love politics, I love democracy, and tonight is a good night for democracy. And thank you for coming out on a Friday night. This is a great crowd, where most people would think there's something better to do. What could be better than coming here and being an informed voter? So I applaud you for coming out tonight. Thank you so much. And speaking of coming out uh, tonight, we have uh, four of our five candidates here uh, represented. Um, All five candidates were invited to uh, attend tonight's forum. Uh, The UCP candidate did decline to attend. Uh, The rationale was due to sheer volume of obligations, they were being selective in what they chose to do and not do. So I want to applaud the candidates that did show up tonight as well. So with that, I would like to outline the rules, Uh, like any good democracy, there are always rules. Our process tonight is pretty straightforward. It is a long night, but what I was told on Wednesday at the Lethbridge East uh, Forum was that people didn't really look at the clock, it was that interesting, so hopefully we can achieve the same thing tonight. Each candidate will have two minutes to do an opening statement to outline their policy platform and introduce themselves. From that point we'll go into uh, questions. They will select a number out of a hat. A number of questions were circulated ahead of time to each of the candidates. They don't know which question they're going to get, hence the number out of the hat. I will read the question, they will answer it. The other candidates will will be given an opportunity to rebuttal, if they so choose. Each candidate is given three rebuttal cards. If they use them throughout the night, once they're gone, unless later on we have some time, I'll adjust, but for the most part they need to be selective and when they choose to rebuttal. We'll do that, there's two rounds of that, so each candidate will get two questions. After that we're going to go into a, a bit of a debate. Uh, where some topics are going to be brought up, and the candidates will have an opportunity to openly debate each other on different topics. We will then go into a quick break, so you can go get more coffee, uh, do what you need to do. When we reconvene, that's when we're going to get into the good stuff, the questions from the audience. So start thinking now about what it is you want to ask. Because we have limited time, I'm going to be vigilant in in timing and making sure that you get to your question. I've said this before, we're not here to listen to you, we're here to listen to the candidates. So please be concise with your question, otherwise I will cut you off. I apologize in advance if I'm rude, but that's my job. I get to control tonight, so you've been warned. Don't hold me personally accountable for it. and after that each of the candidates will be given 2 minutes to do a closing remark. And then you get to go and enjoy the rest of your Friday night. So, who's ready? Candidates, are you ready? We <laughs> no. need some energy. So, we're going to go in alphabetical order for o- opening statements. So, Pat Chisick, you get to go first. Please speak
1: directly into the microphone. This is being recorded. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? (laughs) Hi, uh, my name is Pat Chisick, and I am the candidate for the Alberta Liberal Party for Lethbridge West. Um, If I'm not speaking directly in the mic, please remind me again. First off, I want to make one point clear. We are in no way associated, affiliated, or connected with the federal liberals. Okay? We are the Alberta Liberals, we are not the Liberals of Alberta. Big difference, okay? I'm gonna talk about three things that we, that I personally have a connection with and I am interested in. The first one is education. And our platform is, it's time to get our classroom sizes down to manageable so our results are good. We will mandate the class size. We will make sure that the funding that is for that goes just for that and not anything else. The second thing is healthcare. We are for the private, no, excuse me, the public healthcare system, not the private. We want to work with the people who are working in there right now, who deliver our healthcare, who maintain our buildings. We wanna work with them to find out how to improve the efficiency. And the third thing that we are concerned with is PACs and the effect that they have. This is political action committees, unions, special interest groups, lobbyists that donate money that is not transparent. They donate money to political parties. We are the political party, we do not take it. It is in our policy that we will not take money from these groups because we don't want to have to owe them anything, we want to only owe to the individual voter. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, you, Pat.
0: Next, I'd like to invite Ben Madison.
2: My name is Ben Madison, and I am the MLA candidate for Lethbridge West for the Alberta Independence Party. Uh, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for inviting us to participate in this forum. I will start with a little about myself. As I said, my name is Ben a regular, everyday, blue-collar Albertan. I did not get involved in this for personal gain. I have stepped way out of my comfort zone to help. I am tired of politicians telling me how it is going to be. I am tired of elected representatives not acting in the interests of the citizens that elected them. Instead, acting in the interests of their party or lobbyist groups with deep pockets and friends in high places. I have never had political aspirations, but complaining on social media is accomplishing nothing. My hope is you will leave here with a better understanding of this movement and its policies. They deserve your investigation. Let's return to the Alberta Advantage.
0: Thank you. Shannon Phillips.
3: Well, good evening and uh, thank you for joining us. I believe that the question uh, before voters is simple in this election. Who can you trust to fight for what matters to you and your family? Rachel Notley or Jason Kenney? That's better? Yeah. Rachel Notley wants to build one Alberta, one Alberta that sticks together through this economic recovery and one that cares for each other. She's standing up for what matters. Good jobs, good schools, strong public health care. Jason Kenney, by contrast, wants two Albertas, one for the wealthy and one for the rest of us. Wants to give away billions in tax cuts to profitable corporations he wants to fight for private health care, freeze funding in education, and eliminate protections for LGBTQ youth. I'm running as part of team Rachel Notley because I believe we should prioritize affordable, $25 a day childcare for all Alberta families before tax breaks for millionaires. I'm running to eliminate co-pays on seniors drug coverage, which Rachel announced today that will save seniors thousands of dollars a year. Making life more affordable is more important to me than almost anything else. I believe we need to protect public health care, education, the rights of women, multiculturalism, diversity, and the LGBTQ community. Those are the priorities of Lethbridge families. I know that Lethbridge wants more affordable drug coverage for seniors. I know Lethbridge wants to see teachers hired for the 15,000 new kids who will enter our school system next year. I know Lesbridge wants public health care strengthened, not privatized. And I know that young families want affordable childcare. With your support, Albertans will elect a premier that believes in us, that fights for us. A premier who fights for families first and for one Alberta. Thank you. Zach
0: Rodenizer.
4: Thank you. It is surreal to be up here with um, these great individuals who, who want to make Alberta better. I am so honored that there's a room full of people that even ha- care what I have to say. Um, my name's Zach Rodenizer. I'm representing the Alberta party. A lot of people don't know the Alberta party story. A lot of people don't know me. I'm hoping that throughout tonight you'll have a clear idea of, of what the Alberta party is about. We're about moderation. Uh, we don't care whether we're appeasing or appealing to, this, to the right or the left. We look for ideas, not ideologies. I'm so excited tonight, uh, I, I, did I say this already? It is probably the scariest thing I've ever done, and I have so much respect for all of us up here, especially, <laughs> this is their, their third time. This is Shannon's third time for doing it. I, I respect her a lot. I'm so excited to share my ideas and the Alberta party's ideas, but let's get real. This election is not about ideas. This election is about fear. We have two parties that are trying to scare us away from each other to force us to make a choice. There's lots of options. The Alberta party stands for fiscal responsibility and social responsibility. And we're not going to try and scare you into voting for us. I believe that if you look at our policies and take away the jerseys, take away the colors, and you look at our policies, you will see that our policies are the best. Our fiscal responsibility is better than the UCP's. Our social, responsibi- or our, our social policies, I believe, are better than the NDP's. We believe in education. We believe in representing you and not our party's, our party's ideology. We allow free votes, which means that I'm allowed to disagree with my leader if you do. The biggest problems that we have require human cooperation. And a vote for the Alberta party and me means that I'm not going to fight for you. I'm going to cooperate for you and get things done in Edmonton. I'm excited. Let's do this.
0: It's a pretty good start to the night, I'd say. So with that, we're going to go into our uh, prepared questions. So these questions were prepared by SACPA ahead of time, uh, Please, Knud, bring the, the sophisticated hat forward. We're going to start with Pat. Go back to simple basics. That's my motto. What number? Number six. Okay. Not for that one, Pat. Yeah, that's
2: the only one
0: I wasn't hoping for. Pat's disappointed with her number selection. We'll see how she does, let's cheer her on. So this question deals with Alberta's revenue shortfall, spending and taxation. Does Alberta have a revenue or a spending problem or both? What are the best options in terms of protecting the most vulnerable and taxing the wealthy? Cuts across the board or selectively? And or implementing tax increases or decreases because that is an option and possibly include a provincial sales tax. The question is this, where do you and your party stand on deficits, spending and taxation? And please elaborate.
1: Okay, I got to put glasses on for this one because if you people know what our leader brought out yesterday, this is a tough call. Okay, but I'm here to face it and get our point on this. Um, unlike some parties, uh, we have made our position very clear on taxes. That came out yesterday, and I'm not going to shy away from that, okay? You can go onto our party platform and read it in detail, but here's some of the key things. Unlike Kenny, we aren't going to cherry pick the easy sells. We are acknowledging the need for a sales tax. Everybody hates taxes, me included, okay? But the very economists that the UCPUs have been pushing that Alberta needs a sales tax. So yesterday, the Alberta Liberals put their platform out there. And it was a 13% total. So that's a GST and harmonized sales tax. This will encourage more economic growth. But we will still have the lowest paid taxes because with that also comes an income tax break for people earning low wages. I don't, I can get into all of the platform, it's on our website. I am not shying away from it, that's what we came out for. Our sales tax is not regressive. Low-income Albertans will receive rebates. Under this harmonized sales tax, most basic goods and services will be exempt. We will still have the lowest sales tax in the country. But we are going to use this sales tax to bring down our debt and the deficit. It will have a specific purpose to where it goes to. Okay, the, uh, <clears throat> we, are tire- the, we will reduce corporate income tax and we're tired of the roller coaster of feast or famine, boom or bust. Thank you very much.
0: Any rebuttals on that? At this time, Ben, you're next.
2: Oh, oh, two, do I get a pick? Number three.
0: Number three. Okay, this question deals with subsidies, pipelines, rail tankers, and refineries. Alberta subsidizes oil and gas companies by hundreds of millions of dollars each year. These subsidies come in the form of royalty and tax breaks, loan guarantees, and paying for infrastructure supporting that industry. Alberta is shipping raw bitumen and pipelines and rail tankers to the U.S. at a discount. Many argue increased pipeline capacity to Tidewater is a wise investment, but the Kinder Morgan expansion project is currently held up in court, so bitumen transport by rail is the only immediate option. Some will argue that refining bitumen in Alberta to supply the Canadian market would be a wise long-term investment, and it would keep many good jobs in Canada. The question is this, where do you and your party stand on subsidies, royalty, pipelines, rail tankers, and the refining of oil.
2: The AIP is definitely pro-pipeline. It is the most efficient way to get that product where it needs to be. We do not believe in subsidizing any private enterprise. Corporate welfare has given rise to the revival of this independence movement. If refining was a good idea, private business would be lining up to make it happen. The fact that they aren't tells me everything I need to know. A fair 10% royalty will be paid by producers on every thousand cubic feet removed from the ground, 5% when they pull it out, and another 5 when they move it along. Making that more than fair, um, and I, to finish with just a little light moment, I can't believe I let the opportunity pass me by to rebut a provincial sales tax. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Don't worry, there'll be another opportunity, I'm certain. <laughs> Good job. Shannon. Okay, I'm just
1: going
3: to rebut that, but no, never mind. You re- did, you want to rebut? did you want to rebut? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, okay. We're getting into yeah, it. Go. Right. Excellent, uh, Shannon. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to do the same. So, uh, uh, I, it, look, I mean, we, we have a, I, for the first two, because uh, I think we can take them together. Uh, oh, Rachel Notley has put forward a pass to balance um, uh, for the books by 2023. So has Jason Kenney. The difference is that Jason Kenney will uh, be blowing a $4.5 billion hole in the budget uh, through a number of uh, uh, tax breaks for already profitable corporations uh, where uh, Rachel Notley has taken a a prudent approach um, to investing in our public services but also diversifying our economy to that last point. Right now, yes, we have to uh, get that bitumen on the rail and get it out to market uh, because we have pipeline bottleneck issues. It should be in a pipeline where it belongs. Uh, It's safer there. Uh, But right now, uh, we we have taken the the approach of getting it on the rail because it's coming out of the ground anyway, and better uh, uh, to have it uh, moving than in storage. Uh, That's better for Albertans. But uh, uh, certainly for diversification, that does contribute to uh, expanding the tax base, and we've already had $12 billion of new uh, private sector investment coming in value-added over our oil and gas processing. So it is coming. Very resourceful, rebutting two at the same time. That's excellent.
4: Can I rebut a rebuttal? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely you can rebut her rebuttal. Oh, Oh, card, card. card, Zach.
1: (laughs) Card. Yep. Yeah.
4: Okay, so the, the, I just want to make a, a comment on the, the path to, um, to balance that the Rachel Notley's put forward. First of all, those numbers include record oil uh, revenues which are likely not going to happen. They also include a freezing on spending, not this year, but for the following three years after that. That's a freezing on spending on healthcare, education, the whole lot. And remember the, the rhetoric, a freeze is a, cut, right? And that's what the NDP is, is, is planning on doing for the next uh, four years to make sure that they have their path to, um, to, to uh, balance, okay? we Going back to, the, um, to getting our, our product to Tidewater, we've put forward some innovative um, ideas to make sure that we get bitumen in the form of pucks. A lot of other, uh, the industry has asked for it already So we can transport it in a safe way so that if there is a spill, it's a solid. It it, it reduces the environmental impact, and we can still get our product to Tidewater. The Alberta party looks forward, looks for innovation and creativity. Thanks.
2: Thank you.
4: Next
0: one. uh, Oh, one more. A rebuttal to the rebuttal to the rebuttal.
2: (laughs) We got to do what we got to do. Return to balance in 2023. I've been hearing that story for, I don't know, four years now, and then we're pushing it to the end of another mandate. The AIP can balance the budget, run a deficit, or a, sorry, a surplus budget in year one simply by stopping the transfer of 40 to $50 billion to the East in the form of federal taxation. Yes. So I, I'm sorry, Madam, this has come from economists that are smarter than me and probably you.
0: Okay. Cool.
2: <laughs> I know they're smarter than myself, so I have to take somebody's word. I got to tell you. So all of the lies that we've gotten from the politicians so far have worked out exactly how good. I, for one, am ready for a change, and something more change than some lip service. So how are we to say that we can't make this happen? There's people much smarter than myself in this party that swear it can be. Why are you? Why do you close your mind to the possibility of it?
0: Thank you. Oh, we're going to run out of rebuttals. Pat would like to rebuttal. I've lost track.
1: We've all used one.
0: Okay. Yes. Okay. I have a, I know, all right. So what, a... what?
1: What? <laughs> I have a question for, and I don't really have an answer, so it's kind of rhetorical. We're going to run deficits, maybe. I'm not a financial person, just to let you know that. But I do know from the NDP's own um, budget report that they had planned before we get to their balanced budget in 2023, that our debt will go from 56 billion, which it is right now, to 95. I don't know how we're going to get out of that. And I don't have an answer for that. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Did
0: Shannon select a question? No,
2: not oh, yet. Oh. Buttons. Mm-hmm.
3: Buttons.
0: We Shannon, please <laughs> select from <Yeah>. the hat. <laughs> I don't
3: know. Is that
0: eight? Number
2: eight. No, it's upside
0: down. This question deals with Alberta Health Services, long-term and continuing care, and private health care. At $60 million per day and over $22 billion per year, Alberta Health Services is by far the most expensive service provided by Alberta's government. Despite all the money being invested, wait times at emergencies can still be long and for certain ailments or selective services, some people seek costly treatment or surgery at private clinics statewide or elsewhere. The question is this. Where do you and your party stand on Alberta Health Services, long-term continuing care, and privatization?
3: Well, uh, uh, thank you for that question. Uh, Well, easy. First, uh, uh, we are committed to public health care and no privatization as a party. Last week, Rachel Notley was in Lethbridge. She committed uh, that the NDP would create an additional 2,000 long-term care and dementia spaces. We committed uh, to, those two, uh, to an initial 2,000 uh, in the 2015 platform. We delivered those, and now we're committing to 2,000 more. Uh, she also announced a platform plan this week to significantly reduce some surgical wait times uh, by increasing surgeries, the areas where we're seeing the most uh, uh, issues. For example, cancer, research, cancer surgeries. Uh, over uh, three years, an additional 6,800 Albertans would receive surgeries sooner. Open heart surgeries would increase by 5%. Cataract surgeries would increase by 15 And all other surgeries by 3%. Uh, currently, uh, I, I Alberta... Uh, performs well on ER wait times, but there is more to be done. And I think we all know this uh, uh, here in Lethbridge. We have invested uh, in a redeveloped uh, ER at the Chinook Regional Hospital, but there is more uh, uh, to be done. Uh, so that is the, uh, those are the platform commitments, I think, uh, uh, in the main on costs with public health care. Uh, yes, public health care uh, uh, is a significant portion of our budget. The main drivers of it are uh, uh, physicians uh, and, uh, and drug costs. Uh, and uh, over the last uh, a few years, we have renegotiated the agreement with physicians, and we are looking very carefully at all of our cost-saving measures within, uh, within the pharmaceutical area, so that when you look at healthcare costs, we have stabilized them. Where they used to uh, uh, be on a roller coaster, oftentimes uh, uh, the spending spikes would, inc- uh, would, be, would coincide with election years. Uh, at now, what we have is stable Predictable increases to our healthcare system that keep pace with our aging population uh, and the fact that we still have in migration here in Alberta. I have a rebuttal from Zach.
4: I think we could, I think I, well, well I won't speak for, speak for everyone else. I think most of us in this room are, are championing public uh, healthcare. Um, but the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And the current government has invested a lot of money into our healthcare system and the results haven't changed. So um, the, the, the promises sound good, but we have to just base it on what's happened over the last four years. Um, the Auditor General uh, had a, uh, released a report in 2017 that showed that um, there's, there's a lot of misalignment and, and, and um, inefficiencies in our healthcare systems that need to be fixed. A lot of our healthcare woes can be remedied without adding extra tax dollars uh, to the healthcare system and that's what the Alberta Alberta party is looking to do. Look at those inefficiencies and try and deliver services as best as we can uh, to to a savings to the taxpayer.
0: I see no further rebuttals. So Zach, you get to select a number. Number five, okay, this question deals with climate change, the carbon tax and regulation. Alberta's carbon tax or levy was implemented in response to climate change. Assuming climate change is a serious issue, is a carbon tax the best way to deal with it or are regulations enough? The question is this, where do you and your party stand on climate change, the carbon tax and regulations?
4: Great. Okay. So um, climate change is, is real. Um, the, Alberta, the Alberta Party, I don't know, I can't say it tonight. The Alberta Party looks at evidence, right? We don't care about right or left. What does the evidence say? The evidence says with an enormous um, amount of evidence that it's man-made and, and we, we, can, we can do something about it. Carbon taxes have been shown to reduce emissions. Um, I'm not... Convinced that the carbon tax that we have is structured structured in a way that will actually reduce our emissions significantly uh, In addition you have to think about look Le- uh, lethbridge. We are uh, uh, a, um, a Exporter in our, in our economy and so that the the the, the, car- the carbon tax the way it's um, Set up hurts us more than it does other places in, in in Alberta the Alberta party wants to look at finding a way to Make sure that the polluter pays, but we, we don't want that um, charge to be coming out of uh, Alberta homes and nonprofits and schools that are paying carbon taxes. That's, those are teachers and EAs that we can't afford because schools are paying carbon taxes. So um, in, in the end, I think what we want to look at is, is, is the re- rebate system really working? Is it getting us the results we want? And what I will point out, though, is with the, with the UCP and the NDP, you're just going to get people screaming at each other. You put me in a room with someone who is far right, far left, and we'll find a way to collaborate, right, and, and, and find some common ground. But unfortunately with, if it's either the NDP or the be, they're just gonna be screaming at each other, and it's very hard to get anything done. So the Alberta party's looking to make sure that we have a, a carbon plan that will actually reduce emissions and not cost us an arm and a leg.
0: Ben, you'd like to rebuttal?
2: <clears throat> now, this is a conversation that needs to happen. Um, I'm a critical thinker. I, I read a lot. Um, I can find just as many articles out there in the world that says we are in the middle of a solar minimum and an upcoming mini ice age. So who am I to believe? You know, the scientists that get paid by the government that tells me that somehow the government taking money from me is going to alleviate this? There's got to be an answer in the middle somewhere. Now, I I I myself feel manipulated by this so-called settled science. Who says it's settled? The people that get paid by the government. There is other scientists that totally disagree. Nassau says the ice caps are growing. So what my question is, is how do I know who to believe? You know, and I'm to believe that paying taxes on fossil fuels and heating my home is going to alleviate this? There are other ways to... Address these situations. I've been paying attention to that. I have LED light bulbs in my home. I try not to drive when I don't have to, etc., etc. Is that accomplishing anything? I think there's bigger issues. What about the plastics in the ocean? What about the raw sewage that gets dumped daily by Quebec and Victoria? That doesn't seem to be a hot-button issue. Why isn't somebody taxing them or making them build a sewage station in a way to treat it?
0: Thank you so much.
2: Thank you.
3: Shannon would like to rebuttal. Sure. Well, uh, uh, yes, climate change is real. It is anthropogenic. And Alberta's climate leadership plan uh, has reduced pollution, has given us cleaner air, has diversified the economy uh, and has reduced greenhouse gas emissions by about seven megatons, which is a third of the entire emissions of the province of Manitoba. We are on track to reduce our emissions annually by 30 megatons, which is Metro Vancouver three times over. So yes, the climate change, uh, the climate leadership plan is a comprehensive policy response to the fact that climate change is real that comes with it a rebate for two-thirds of Albertans, a tax cut of 30% for small business, uh, real support uh, uh, in terms of clean technology and uh, 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 energy efficiency and so on, uh, uh, and uh, real collaboration uh, with the energy industry. And that is why Suncor, Synovus, CNRL, Shell, stood with the world's largest oil producer, some of these people, stood with Premier Notley and I when we announced it in
1: 2015.
0: We're now in our second round of questions, so Pat, please select from the hat. Let's take this one.
1: Number four.
0: Number four. This question deals with federal equalization payments. The present federal equalization payment program affecting provinces was renegotiated by the federal government in 2007, modified in 2009, and in 2018. The formula was extended in its present form until 2024. The question is this, where do you and your party stand regarding the fairness of the federal equalization payments?
1: Right now, I think we can all agree that we do not, here in Alberta, we do not think it is fair. So our party, our liberal party, will advocate for a demand First and foremost, a change in the funding formula. We have gone through times in this province where we have gone in through bad times. The price of oil has bottomed out and we still continue to pay. Other provinces, they have bad times, they get money. We are paying no matter what. So we want to have it at least amended or a possibility to think that why can't they treat Quebec and Ontario's hydro projects the same way they treat our oil and gas. And that we will have, if they can't do that, then we are prepared to make our oil a crown corporation. And the gas royalties will set up an Alberta crown corporation that will collect energy royalties and remove them from the current equalization formula. This will really reduce what we have to pay. That is our proposal.
3: Shannon? Well, uh, there is no question that uh, Alberta needs to get its resources to market. We need to sell them for a fair price, uh, and that is part of the economic recovery that we need to make sure that we are building to last in this province. And so that being said, uh, we had two folks at the table who negotiated the current equalization deal, Jason Kenney and Stephen Harper. When Jason Kenney was in the Harper cabinet, a new growth rule was put in place that paid out nearly $2 billion in additional support to Quebec and Ontario. They did this because the Federal Conservative Party wanted to win seats in Quebec, so they sold out Alberta. That is a fact. And so, we now have a situation where we have a federal equalization formula in place uh, that was put in place by Prime Minister Harper at the time. There are other tools that we can use, such as the fiscal stabilization formula. That does need to be updated, and we are working with the federal government on that. But a referendum on equalization and changes uh, uh, to it uh, via that route will require constitutional amendment. Uh, and uh, I'm a child of the 80s. I remember the constitutional battles very well. I would rather get a better deal through that stabilization formula and make sure we get our products to Tidewater so that we can continue to grow the economy.
0: The next question, Ben. Number one. Number one. Number one. This question deals with public education. Providing education facilities are necessary in a growing Alberta economy, and many existing schools and colleges and universities need upgrading, besides regular maintenance. Managing class size and teacher student ratios may require more funding, such as raising tuition and school fees. The question is this. Where do you and your party stand on funding for public education, tuition, and school fees?
2: The AIP platform says that all services will remain at current levels or better, with a firm understanding that as populations increase, budgets need to follow. I also take that to mean that if school fees are currently being paid by the taxpayer, that they will continue to be so. Short and sweet.
0: There you go. I didn't even have to track that. A rebuttal. Zach.
4: Well, it's not so much a rebuttal. I, I, I missed it. And so I, I would just like to uh, reflect.
2: I probably got time to repeat it. I was so short. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
4: that's to the point. I like it. Um, I just want to point out that um, we, we do, we need, to, we need to worry about class sizes. There's an issue though, especially in the west side of, of Lethbridge in, in our elementary schools, we could we could hire more teachers. We could put uh, caps on the sizes of our classes, but we've run out of space. Even though Colbanks was just built, we're jam packed. That's where I work, and uh, and I work there in Nicholas Sharon. And we are so packed. You can't you couldn't hire another teacher to make smaller classrooms because we wouldn't fit. We've turned um, storage closets into classrooms. I'm serious. So. We need to invest in the infrastructure. We need to get another elementary school, especially, built on the west side like tomorrow. Or else we're going to reach these points where you could live across the street from coal banks and and have to enter a, a lottery to be able to get into that school, and it's unacceptable. We need to get schools built, and then we can start worrying about, you know, caps on sizes and stuff so we can make uh, class sizes to be, so that we can make sure that uh, those class sizes are small. In addition, I'll just point out as well, the Alberta Party is in, is doubling the investment in, um, in inclusive education so we can have more educational assistants who are worth their weight in gold. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well,
0: any other? Yeah, sure. Oh, Shannon, you get the next
3: question. Uh, well, yeah, uh, we have uh, 15,000 uh, students across Alberta going into uh, classrooms this fall. If you freeze education funding, uh, as J- Jason Kenning has proposed that we might do, uh, none of those 15,000 uh, students will uh, have a new teacher or educational assistant or other supports uh, to greet them. Uh that is not wrong that we uh, still we inherited a massive infrastructure backlog in schools. So that's why the Notley government built or modernized 244 schools across the province, including five here in Lethbridge. There is no question there is more to be done, uh, and uh, that's why uh, uh, Rachel Notley's uh, platform announcement around education contained within it plans for another 70 schools across the province. And I fully expect, uh, in a very young, growing population, uh, particularly in West Lethbridge, uh, uh, that we would would be the recipients uh, of those. Uh, You cannot do any of these things if you choose instead uh, to cut taxes for profitable corporations and millionaires to the tune of $4.5 billion, and spend billions on that, rather than uh, investing wisely in children.
0: Please select a question. Number 2. This question deals with water in the context of urban drilling and fracking and the Alberta Energy Regulator. Notwithstanding safety issues with fracking, water allocations for drilling and fracking being controlled by the AER concerns many Albertans, especially in Lethbridge with our limited supply of quality water. In 2014, plans to drill and frack in West Lethbridge was quashed by massive protests. But Tamarack Valley Energy's recent drilling activity within our city limits proves more needs to be done. Although companies are now mandated to hold public consultations before drilling activity. The question is this, where do you and your party stand on the fact that permission to drill and frack and water allocations are being controlled by an agency funded directly by industry?
3: Uh, Thank you for the question, and uh, certainly uh, this was a big issue in West Lethbridge uh, in 2013-2014, and that is why our government took the uh, action that we did in terms of uh, uh, giving municipalities automatic standing uh, before the regulator with respect to oil and gas activities within uh, uh, city limits. Uh, That new directive gave municipalities uh, uh, that standing, uh, and I was as shocked as all of you, uh, when those licenses were uh, I given out in, in uh, to Tamarack uh, for the, that particular well within city limits, I learned of it not long before you did uh, via the media. And uh, the same goes for, for Mayor and Council. Uh, we were all uh, taken quite aback. Uh, the uh, the communication breakdown, as we later understood, uh, uh, occurred within uh, uh, the city, and they and, and since then there have been steps to rectify that to the point where the city has now filed a statement of concern. Uh, and uh, given that they are uh, given standing, um, uh, there there are going to be further conversations with this particular uh, proponent. Uh, you know, the fact is is that we have a regulatory system that must uphold the rule of law. And in this case, Tamarack did nothing wrong. They followed the rules, and when uh, the city was notified, the city did not then uh, uh, choose to intervene. Uh, and so that is the situation in which we now find ourselves. I do think that uh, uh, those pieces have been, in, been rectified, and I think that's a good thing. The other thing I'll say is this. Uh, I, I, I do believe that Tamarack did miss an opportunity to engage with the citizens of Lethbridge as well. It was not a state secret in 2013, 2014, that there were citizens in the, within these city limits who, had, uh, who took issue with this type of development within city limits. There's no question about that. And so that piece could have been, I think, done better. Uh, and uh, and I think on the part of the province, the fact that we did give municipalities standing, an automatic standing within the AER, we probably could have uh, uh, communicated a little better on that too. So uh, I, in the final analysis, uh, you know, plenty of analysis to go around around with the province, the city, uh, and the proponent. But at the end of the day, when you have an application before the regulator, uh, the rule of law must uh, uh, prevail.
0: comment? <coughs> Zach.
3: One
0: you <laughs> I think I know what number it is. Seven. So this question deals with social services and partial privatization. The future of social services has vulnerable Albertans concerned that their programs may be cut back or more services will be provided privately at cost rather than government funded or with the help of nonprofit organizations the question is this where do you and your party stand on partial privatization of social services in Alberta
4: okay so um... we are not a fully capitalist province or society and we're not a fully socialist province either there's we need to mix we, we are already a mixture okay and so the idea is, is finding balance that's that's all, that's what the Alberta Party is about, is finding balance, common sense, not pulling ideologically one way or the other. Let's look for balance. So, you know, when it comes to social services, <clears throat> a strong economy is one of the best ways to reduce the the, the need of social services, because when you have pe- more people working uh, and being self-sufficient, they don't rely on the so- social services as much. Um, but there are, there's some significant um, concerns. I was just speaking, and I I'm not going to remember the agency's name, but in dealing with uh, people with care for people with disabilities, and they're saying that more money has been sent their way, but it doesn't end up in the hands of the individuals who need it. <clears throat> there are some levels of bureaucracy that are taking money that, are su- that is supposed to go to social services, and it's, it's in extra reports. And layers of management in 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 the Alberta government, and so we need to find a healthy balance that gets private industry, nonprofit, government, community, churches, whoever is willing to help us out and get our 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 people healthy and cared for and safe. Whatever's the best route, we'll go that route. It's about balance, though, and so um, if anyone tries to tell you that it needs to be all done by the government, or it needs to be all done by private industry. They're being ide- ideologically um, pulled. It's a mixture. It always has been. It will continue to be so. The Alberta Party wants to make sure that we're taken care of with the best services possible, and that'll be a mix of of private and uh, and public, and and nonprofit organizations.
0: And that concludes our question period, which hopefully organically moves into debate. So rather than using a a rebuttal, does anyone want to start the debate in response to Zach's answer? Private versus public. It's
3: an obvious debate question, no? Shannon, please do. Well, uh, as concerns, uh, people with developmental disabilities and services uh, and service providers. uh, uh, The province did uh, respond to service providers in the PDD field on a number of different things that uh, were of concern to them. Uh, Some of the safety standards that were brought in that were uh, 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 rather, um, I think, arbitrary. uh, And uh, I certainly listened to to people on that uh, and and also initiated uh, a massive PDD review Um, And the results of that review are exactly um, what uh, Zach is talking about in terms of supporting front lines uh, and ensuring that the uh, the agencies have the tools that they need to be able to do the job. There is no question that there remains pressures within that system and there's no question that there's uh, work remaining to be done. But uh, blowing a massive hole in the budget, a multi-billion dollar hole in order to uh, uh, address those concerns will leave adults with disabilities and children with disabilities without the services that they need. And that is not one Alberta. That's a, uh, one Alberta for the wealthy and another Alberta for the rest of us. And uh, I, I cert- that's not my values. Uh, and I, I don't think it's the, the values of the vast majority uh, of Albertans either. So whether it's through the school system or whether it's through supports for adults, Uh, I I think that what we need to do is take a compassionate approach that makes sure that we have services available for people, uh, that those uh, uh, services and that work is properly compensated, uh, and uh, that training and so on is available uh, to people, and that communities have the supports they need uh, to be able to deliver those services. So when we stabilized funding to municipalities, when we enhanced the FCSS envelope, uh, when we continued to invest in nonprofits, uh, in, uh, in infrastructure, all of those things went, went some way to ensuring that we have the right care for people in the right place uh, and at the right time. Another piece, of course, for adults was we indexed in-law H, to the cost of living. Uh, so that people have predictable increases to their fixed income if they are adults who are uh, on the Assured Income for the uh, severely handicapped program.
0: Thank you. Any other comments on that? Okay, something that was uh, uh, mentioned earlier that I think is interesting, uh, freeze is a cut. I would like you to debate that, elaborate on that. A freeze is a cut. What do you mean by that? Zach, you start.
4: So I work in education. <clears throat> I'm a psychologist, I'm a, a elementary school counselor. And we're, we're very much worried about um, a Jason Kenny government. But the rhetoric that's used against him is that he's gonna cut education. And as far as I understand, to, to give them some credit, uh, they don't plan on cutting, they plan on freezing the spending. And so the rhetoric is, a freeze is a cut because you're not, um, you're not uh, allocating funds for the growth, right? Uh, Shannon mentioned how there's gonna be 15,000 new students coming to us in Alberta. So my question is, in in the path to balance that the NDP put forward, they also said that they were gonna freeze spending. So, I don't see the difference. Just not this year, but the next three. And that concerns me as well. And I don't think it's something that most people know. The Alberta party puts, on the spending side, the Alberta party puts education first. That's our commitment. And frankly, I'm worried either way, which either one of those parties, if they were to get in, what they're gonna do with education.
0: Ben.
2: So, I've heard you both throw out that number that there's 15,000 students entering. How many are graduating? It's
4: more no, students. More, more, it's more students, students, students. Than, than what are coming Or entering, so you're a, a, get,
2: a, net, a net gain. Okay, I, underst- I misunderstood the question then, so uh, that is all I have. Thank you. Okay,
1: okay. Pat. Um, <clears throat> I, I kind of agree with Zach. And <clears throat> having been a, a, in the education system, I was a, a teacher and administrator for over 20 years. I know that the costs go up every year, whether it's from maintenance costs, because schools sometimes have private contracts with maintenance people. Uh, if we put a freeze of any kind on our future, and so that means if we put a freeze on education, we are impacting our future. That comes with the infrastructure, and yes, the NDP, they did a, they did a great start on getting caught up, we are still trying to get caught up from the conservatives, not the UCP, the conservatives that when they decided to balance the budget in the early 90s. That infrastructure for health, for education, for roads and bridges, and even past conservative leaders are saying we are trying to get caught up. So if we do a freeze, And heaven forbid, if somebody comes in and says, we are going to balance it on the backs of cuts, we are going to take generations to get caught up. We can't afford that. I wanna make sure that the young people going in today are getting the proper education they need and the training they need, so that when I get to the seniors home, I know that they have been well-educated and well-trained. And I know that the building that I'm going to be in is solid and is well-maintained. So we can't afford cuts. We can't afford freezes. I know it means spending. It does mean spending. But on health care and education, we can't afford for humanity to freeze or cut. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Shannon, did you want to make a comment on this?
3: Well, uh, certainly the path to balance contains within it stable, predictable increases for the main cost drivers in the budget, which is healthcare, education, post-secondary, and social services. Those are the big four. Um, so, the uh, the path to balance contains within it uh, uh, stable, predictable increases to the big four cost drivers of healthcare, education, post-secondary, and social services. The, uh, the uh, uh, and uh, certainly that detail is is uh, available. Um, you can't uh, get there though by spending $4 billion on a tax cut for your rich buddies, uh, which is exactly uh, what uh, Mr. Kenny is proposing. So there are no unicorns in a budget, uh, but he has proposed exactly that. Blow a hole of $4 billion, uh, but uh, uh, then um, assure people that there won't be any cuts. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. Uh, it's a fiscal fairy tale. Uh, and uh, and that is uh, what's on offer in this election. By contrast, we have a choice where we can continue to invest in stable, predictable ways in healthcare, education, and social services on both the capital side that uh, uh, Pat and uh, Zach have talked about, and on the operating side, uh, certainly in capital investments. We, uh, as we have said, have built or modernized 244 schools. We have uh, begun work on the uh, uh, Calgary Cancer Center, promised for about 15 years, uh, and a number of other uh, uh, new uh, investments in health care, education, housing, uh, bridges, roads, etc. All of that infrastructure deficit does mean, in a capital plan that one must borrow. It does. Where does that leave Alberta's balance sheet? with the, most, uh, uh, with the uh, lowest debt to pay GDP ratio in Canada, one of the most enviable balance sheets on the continent, and an $11 billion tax advantage over the next highest tax jurisdiction in Canada. Uh, we also have among the highest private sector uh, uh, capital investment rates. We also uh, have been leading the country in economic growth. Uh, And we are only now getting caught up in a massive infrastructure deficit, in particular with bridges, roads, uh, highways, and other infrastructure. We have found that we must keep investing in those things if we want to keep attracting private sector investment, particularly in upgrading and refining for our oil and gas products. We cannot continue to run that infrastructure deficit if we also want to continue to grow the economy. So those are the fiscal facts uh, and uh, you know you can't have everything. You can't give away four billion dollars to profitable corporations and then turn around and not have uh, an effect on the services that we all rely on every day and that's what Jason Kenney has proposed and that's the stark choice between him and Rachel Notley. So just quickly then
0: on the topic of growing the economy, many would argue that um, Southern Alberta weathered the economic storm due to agriculture. What's your position or your party's position on your number one priority on diversifying the economy? Pat.
1: Once again, I'm gonna have to refer back to um, our fiscal policy that came out just yesterday, so it's brand new to me too. And it was a shock when I read it, I'm going to be honest. But we cannot put all our eggs in one basket, which we have in the past. We have relied on the oil and gas and oil and gas. We have had a start with the NDP, I'm gonna give you credit for it, that you have diversified our energy and that's a big point of it. But at what cost is that diversification for our energy? Let's just talk about that for a moment. I don't think that we are spending enough in the development of energy storage. Even in Lethbridge, the wind doesn't blow all the time. But every day, every second, we are using energy. I am in favor of green energy. I am in favor of clean water and clean air. But if we want to have an investment Why is nobody talking about energy storage? I know the Alberta Energy Association, they did a study on it. They think we're good until 2030. And then at what point? Now what are we going to do? I believe right now our clean technology is in the Commodore 64 stage. Okay? It's there, but it doesn't have a lot of storage. The advantage that oil and gas have? We can store it. We can store it for long periods of time. We can transport it for long periods of time. Solar panels. Where are we getting them from? Are we making them here in Alberta? Are we making them here in Canada? Are we importing them from China? I like the idea. Can we make it here? I have lived in northern Alberta. I lived there for eight years. I know what it's like in December and January. It's dark. Okay? I would get up and go to school to teach at eight in the morning. The street lights were on, it was dark. I went home at four in the afternoon. The street lights were on, it was dark. Thank you. The solar panels don't work up there.
0: I'm gonna have to cut you off, sorry. Ben, do you want to comment on diversifying the economy?
2: You don't have to. Uh, I I did kind of have a question uh, because we're talking about Diversifying the economy, but mostly what I heard about was uh, oil and gas and, and energy storage. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the battery industry. Uh, the problem with the current technology that we have is it's just not, it's, it's massive. The amount of batteries that it takes to store power on demand uh, until we need it takes up a great big area. Um, it's, it's a good technology because lead-acid batteries are 100% recyclable, So, and they have a, a reasonably decent life of about 10 years, uh, but they're expensive, you know, as, as with anything else. So um, my take on that is also from the same industry. Solar panels are just not that efficient. They don't work that well, um, especially in the wintertime when we have short daylight hours. I'm not sold on windmills, you know. Uh, we were getting pretty darn good at clean technology for burning coal in this province. It, it is, it's cheap, we can do better. Um, I don't know about you guys, but my utility bills climbed into the stratosphere over February. Uh, that can't continue.
0: Thank you very much. Okay, Shannon.
3: Sure, uh, so, Uh, There is no question that, uh, uh, to date, our Made in Alberta refining and upgrading plan for our oil and gas resources uh, has created over 10,000 jobs and unlocked $12.6 billion of private sector investment into the province. We're working to refine more, process more, create more products like plastics, fabrics, fertilizer. Uh, All of those things are, are, are... crucially important to ensuring that we can grow the economy through the the, the, uh, the strengths that we have now in our natural resource sector. And I am so proud to have been part of that government. I remember when I was a kid and my dad lost his job during the national energy program uh, when he worked in the oil industry and there was nothing out there for people. And if there is one thing that, uh, uh, you know, my rural right-wing relatives and I agree on, it is that we need more oil and gas processing to add Add value to the oil and gas that we pull out of the ground right here in Alberta before we ship it out. So that's the first thing. Uh, As for, uh, and so those are, you know, thousands of jobs. And what has Jason Kenney said about them? He's very skeptical. And he has threatened to rip up those contracts. That is not making for uh, a good investment climate for the private sector. Um, As for renewables, we've already welcomed $2 billion worth of private sector investment in renewables into Southern Alberta in the last two years, on track to uh, a a total of 7, and uh, between 7 and 10, and about 7,000 jobs. Uh, As for this matter of uh, uh, how solar panels do and do not work, you know, the, the, some of the Alberta's largest uh, power companies are I- investing in these, and uh, certainly in storage as well. Uh, the private sector is moving forward uh, with a number of different innovations. I would encourage you to look into them, everybody from NMAX to uh, the new um, solar and storage uh, project that ATCO has partnered with three First Nations in Fort Chippewan, Alberta, for the largest solar and storage program in the country, uh, that will get the community of Fort Chippewan uh, most of the way off diesel. Uh, it's an enormous uh, achievement that ATCO has undertaken. You know, these are it's not a fly-by-night uh, operation. Uh, and uh, uh, it's creating jobs and revenues. Uh, for the community of Fort Chippewan and those three First Nations as well. It's a fantastic Made in Alberta story. Uh, Same uh, goes for the uh, Hanna Solar Project, uh, which is uh, 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 slated to be built uh, right beside a decommissioning coal plant. Uh, Again, a partnership with the Town of Hanna, uh, the Municipality of the Special Areas Board, and ATCO uh, as well. Uh, there's just so many good news stories out there because as Albertans, we are an energy province in every sense of that word, and we should continue to build on those strengths. <laughs> Zach.
4: So, yeah, the energy sector is incredibly important to our economy, but the question was diversifying our economy, and the Alberta Party has the most aggressive plan to bring other industries to uh, Alberta, we have um, we believe that there there could be a, a billion dollar a year industry in the film industry. So we could. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I got one. <laughs> we want to we want to entice <laughs> we want to entice the film industry here. Um, we we have an aggressive plan to give corporate tax holidays to any corporation who's gonna who, that employs two hundred and fifty people or more to bring their, uh, their headquarters to Alberta. We're not getting any of, their, any of their money right now anyway. So they come, they get a two-year corporate tax break to bring their headquarters to Alberta as long as they stay. And uh, this is the part I love the best. If they come from BC, we'll give them three years. <laughs> 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 right, and because we, we, believe, we believe that the forestry industry could be do, doing so much more. Uh, the people that we're talking to said that they couldn't even get in the door to talk to the NDP. Uh, there's there's thousands of jobs that could be added in the forestry industry. So so yeah, there's a lot of, of business technology outside of the energy sector, in addition to the energy sector that could be bringing tons of jobs. Jobs mean more revenue. Revenue means means more uh, funds to pay for the healthcare and education that we're so passionate about. So that's that's the Alberta plan to to, to diversify.
0: And um. And on that note, we're going to end this portion of tonight's uh, um, forum. So the debate is considered closed. We're going to have a 10-minute break, and when we come back, we're going to take questions from the audience. And the rest of the night will be spent um, addressing those questions. So please, if you've got your questions, think of them. There's one microphone. You're going to need to say your name and come to the microphone. So think about it over the next 10 minutes, and we'll reconvene about 10 to 8. Thank you.